Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, oh, you know you're in the right place because this is where the best run. We have a very exciting topic for you. Might be new to some of you, but you're going to learn a lot. So let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from a gentleman named Matt Hines, H-E-I-N-Z, president of Hines Marketing and a blog. He wrote, and listen up, and this will set us up very nicely for our topic. He said, account-based marketing, okay, if you don't remember any more than those three words, that's what we're talking about today. Account-based marketing is simply, instead of fishing with nets, we're fishing with spears. You identify exactly the prospects you want to do business with, and then you market very precisely and narrowly to them directly. So take that all in for a second. So what are we talking about here? Well, you know this is one of our most popular series out of our 43 Game Changer series, and this is Changing the Game with Digital Selling Radio. So it so happens that the ABM, account-based marketing concept, dovetails very nicely with digital selling. Why? Because both strategies engage targeted prospects with super relevant content. That may have said it all, but we're still going to talk to our experts and find out how. In 2016, a couple of years ago, marketingprofs.com did a survey of corporate marketers. 90% of those surveys rated account-based marketing as extremely or very important to their overall marketing plans. However, at that time, only 20% of them had a full ABM program in place. Hmm. Were they doubters? Was it too early? Were they not early adopters? Was it too difficult to do? Did they need more advice? Well, if they're listening today, they're going to get it. So how do you get your marketing and sales teams to collaborate on ABM? How do you identify the target accounts you really, really want to reach? How do you reach their key influencers? Aha. And how do you measure the impact of your ABM campaigns? A lot of questions on the table, and we have a lot of answers for you. I have three experts on the topic. Can't wait to introduce them. I'll just tell you their names and their companies, and then we're going to ask each of them to tell us who they are. Some of them have been, actually, one of them has been on the show before, and two are newcomers, so welcome. First up, in a moment, you'll be hearing from Julio Viscovich of Next Level Sales. He'll tell us all about what he's been up to. He's a returning guest. Then we have a newcomer, Juliana Stan Campiano, the CEO of a company called Oxygen. Can't wait to meet her. And Danny Nail, one of my longtime colleagues at SAP, uh, Danny's first timer on Game Changers Radio. He's the head of global account-based marketing at SAP. Welcome to my esteemed panelists. Julio, why don't you start us off? Tell us what you do, what Next Level Sales is, and what you've been up to since we spoke last. Oh, thank you very much, Bonnie. Uh, yeah, so here at Next Level Sales, it's a very small operation, and what we do is work with enterprise uh, B2B sales teams and help them implement uh, digital sales strategies, social selling techniques, and account-based marketing. So this is right up my alley and something that I, I'm doing every day and uh, sometimes banging my head off the wall while doing it. <laughs> Wait a minute. You can't make a controversial statement like that. Why are you banging your head on the wall? Julio, tell me a little bit more. Is it that difficult to do this or is it that exciting? What do you think? Well, that's exactly it. It's a little bit of both worlds there. It's very exciting and it's very uh, it's a fun uh, game when you can put sales and marketing in a room together and, uh, and not have this come up. So that's what uh, ABM is all about and I think we'll get into that today. Julio, with their hope for marketing and sales being in the same room. We talk about that often on many of our Game Changer shows. It's time to collaborate. Everybody has to play nice in the sandbox. Yes, you can learn from each other. Yes, you can you can elevate and leverage the skill sets of each, and you're all really headed in the same direction anyway. Is there hope? Is it optimistic? There is. There very much is some hope, and uh, there's some strategies, I think, that we'll hear from all of the panelists today that will help uh, give everyone hope out there and see Nothing but uh, 
nothing but uh, good in the future for that. Thank you. We like an optimistic start to the show. Let's move around the table to one of our newcomers, Juliana Stan Campiano at Oxygen. Juliana, welcome to Game Changers Radio. We're very, very honored that you took the time out of your busy company schedule to join us. So tell us who you are, what do you do, and what does this topic mean to you? Yeah, thanks so much. I'm excited to be here. So um, Oxygen is a sales enablement company, and it's great to hear you guys start the, the discussion between marketing and sales because we sit in that space a lot to try to help between the two. <laughs> so it should be an interesting conversation as we uh, delve in this today. We primarily, Oxygen has three different things that we do. Um, we have content as an experience, which is primarily where we're working with sellers and understanding what it is that they need to be able to go and target the accounts that they're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have uh, some technology that we deploy to help with this, uh, whatever the content is that we're creating to get it into the hands of your sellers. And then we look at kind of the holistic sales enablement function to make it a service for the organization. So Looking forward to this conversation, as I said, because I think there's there's a lot of meat in between that marketing, sales, and being very specific as well for your customers mm-hmm. um, and targeting them. Interesting. And do, do you agree with Julio that there is hope to get both marketing and sales in the room and not have too much beating up, but have a lot of moving forward in a shared direction? What do you think? You know, what's interesting is we're seeing more and more the ask for the help. So I think mm. there's hope. I like that. We like hope a lot. For it. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? You have you have to ask sometimes in order to receive. Thank you, Juliana. Looking forward to a lot of great thought leadership from you today. And let's move around the table to another newcomer, my longtime colleague, Danny Nail, who just came back from London after receiving a major award. Danny, why don't you tell us what you do and then tell us what your award is all about, please? Sure, Bonnie. So for those of you who don't know SAP, it is um, SAP is an end-to-end enterprise application software, database, analytics, intelligent technologies, and experience management company. We're also a cloud company now. Um, what I do for, for SAP is I lead the global account-based marketing program. So to the other um, guests mentioned, I work closely with sales, and that's part of the job that I like the most is working closely with sales to develop programs that they can take to our customers to either help to start a conversation or accelerate a conversation or even close a deal. Um, So it's really exciting times, and I think that uh, this is going to be a great discussion. Thank you very, very much. What do you, where do you stand, Danny, on this issue of sales and marketing in the same room? Uh, do we see sparks flying or do we see little hearts rising up over the, over the collaboration that we would all love to see? What do you see? I'm, I'm leaning towards more hearts than sparks. Aw, aw, we're having an early Valentine's Day show here. Thank you. Hearts and Sparks, that would be an interesting, you know, maybe I should start a new radio show called Hearts and Sparks, talk about sales and marketing. That could be interesting. Thank you, Danny. So let's go around the table now, the time in the show when I ask each of our panelists to tell me, they sent me a quote in advance, a quote that has nothing to do with the topic of the day, and they're going to relate the quote to our topic. So let's see how philosophical, poetic, or creative they are. Julio has sent us a quote from Tony D'Angelo, actually Anthony J. D'Angelo, who I'm reading from his bio, Julio, I've never heard of him, sparked a revolution in higher education. In 1995, he was inspired by a vision to take higher education deeper. He left a cushy job at 23, good for him that he had a cushy job at 23, liquidated his personal savings, got a grant from his Discover card, meaning he went 150K in in debt, drove through the Mid-Atlantic and interviewed over five. 5,000 college students and 1,000 university professionals to gain the pulse of what college students were missing, and he found it. They were not getting a quote-unquote education. So uh, here's the quote. Become addicted to constant and never-ending self-improvement, quote from Tony D'Angelo. Julio, please relate this to our topic today. Yeah, I think, you know, everything's changing around us uh, at a rapid pace, it seems, these days, especially with technology and automation and everything. So I think we have to think about our jobs as constantly evolving and as well as our personal uh, growth from that perspective. So, you know, protecting your time, finding the right mentor, trusting your gut more, solving harder problems, practicing things that you're not quite good at, like 
you know, whether it's lead generation or public speaking or whatever it is, I think you should constantly be trying to improve, um, whether that's at a sales level or whether that's at a, a personal level. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Do you think it takes that type of, of commitment in order to do what we're talking about today, Julia? Certainly turning the tables on the way marketing has always been done and sales has been done. You know, the big mass, let's just send an email out to a thousand people and see if anything sticks. And now we're saying ABM, account-based marketing, figure out, and this was in my opening, how do you figure out whom you want to target, the company, the team, the department, the division, the person, the people, the executives. Is that where this application of, of personal growth comes in, would you say, Julio? Yeah, it's about unlearning that sales is only about you know, quantity, as you said, and blasting out a thousand emails and more about quality. And that's going to take a change, especially in salespeople who have been doing it for so long. So learning some of these new techniques is can be an exciting thing uh, rather than something that's obnoxious and difficult to do if you have the right <laughs> attitude. Thank you. I love all of these nice words we're pulling out of the out of the hat here today. This is good. Obnoxious and difficult to do. We had hearts and sparks a few minutes ago. This is good. Juliana, I'm around the table to you at Oxygen CO at Oxygen. You sent us a quote from Victor E. Frankel, F-R-A-N-K-L. Victor Emil Frankel, 1905 to 1997, was an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor. He survived several of the camps. He was the founder of Logotherapy, the Will to Meaning, and is most notable for his best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning, uh, which was published in 1959, and the, the title at that time was From Death Camp to Existentialism, Nevertheless Say Yes to Life, A Psychological Experiences, Psychologist Experiences the Concentration Camp. Here's the quote, very interesting quote, Juliana will relate it to our topic, <clears throat> from Viktor Frankl. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Juliana, I'm in tears every time I, I see a quote from Victor <laughs> Frankel. So please, hey, this is heavy. This is really heavy. Please tell us how this relates to our topic today. Yeah, you know, that's funny because um, I, I got the same response from somebody else. When I told, they asked me what quote I chose, and I told them they were like, oh, that's heavy. And I was like, oh, I never thought about it in really actually that context, which is kind of ironic. Um, I was introduced to this quote a long time when I was fairly young in my career. And at first it really frustrated me. Mm -hmm. And I think this is why in part it's relatable because, you know, I think growing up, I was taught like stimulus response, right? We all saw the studies with the mice and things like that. And to stop and think that they're actually, is a gap between those two where we as humans have the ability to choose is probably one of the most powerful things that I come back to over and over and over again, especially as things are changing or something has to be different is to think about, are we just doing stimulus response? Cause it's really a lot easier <laughs> to do stimulus response than to stop and think about what it is. Um, that we're deciding to do and also owning the fact that that's our choice, um, you know, makes it a very personal um, moment where it's like you're actually choosing to do that. Nobody made you do that. Nobody's forcing you to do that. And I think that as our world gets more and more complex and we're talking about account-based marketing today, we have the, we get the choice right now to stop and say, I could do the generic thing that is so much easier and it's going to save me so much time or I can choose to really dig in and try to understand the people, this account, what they're trying to do and really target them with the things that I think are going to make an impact to get the sale that we're driving forward. So I think there's a lot of relatability and it is, it's a quote again, as I said, that I always come back to over and over again, especially when I'm like upset about something mm -hmm. and I think about what my choice was. Yep. within that moment, and it's like, okay, I can own that. Very true. These are words to live by, aren't they, Juliana? These are, you're absolutely right. It, it applies to us, and, and going back to the Tony D'Angelo quote that Julio just shared with us about the self-improvement, we could take this above the level of, of ABM and marketing and sales getting along and making making nice and singing kumbaya and talk about, about how do we all react, and, and that certainly does relate back to the people in sales and marketing as human beings. How do you unlearn the old? How do you learn the new, and how do you choose the right? 
right response. So, boy, we're weaving these all together so nicely today. Thank you, Juliana. <laughs> Danny Nail is waiting patiently. Danny, the last time I said that on the show a couple months ago, that my third panelist was waiting patiently, he piped up and he said, how do you know I'm patient? And I was very, very embarrassed. So I took a chance here, Danny, but you know me for years and I know you're going to be polite. Danny has sent us a quote from Deepak Chopra, who is still very much alive and well, born in 1946. I call him a young guy. Let's leave that alone. He's an Indian-born American author and alternative medicine advocate, prominent in the New Age movement. He studied medicine in India, came to the U.S. in 1970, and he met the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi in 1980 and became involved with TM. That's Transcendental Meditation. He left his position at the New England Memorial Hospital to establish the Maharishi Ayurveda Health Center. And then he appeared on Oprah's show talking about his books. And then in 1996, he co-founded the Chopra Center for Wellbeing. Here's the quote. All great changes are preceded by chaos. Oh, my goodness, Danny, that's heavy. Talk to me. How does this relate to our topic today? Well, actually, as both of the, the first two guests were speaking, I was thinking about their topics so much that mine wove into theirs. So as I was thinking about all great changes are preceded by chaos, we're constant, change is the one thing that is constant in our lives, which means there's also going to be a lot of chaos in our lives. And as we look at what's happening in the world of marketing with the, the um, introduction of MarTech and the, the data and the things that we're able to see that we didn't, you, we weren't able to see even five, ten years ago, um, there's so much more coming at us um, that we can use to market so much more effectively that it's just, it feels like chaos, but it's going to be an awesome change. And I feel like when I was listening to Juliana, I feel like the chaos is the stimulus and the great change can be the response if we look at the chaos in the right way. And then that took me back to Julio's statement of the never-ending self-improvement, because as we're going through the chaos and making these great changes, of course, we cannot be stagnant and stay where we are. We have to move out of the old mark ways of marketing and into the new and take it forward, um, because it will help us work better with our sellers, the mm -hmm. data that we can provide to them about their accounts, about the people in their accounts, the intent data that's coming available now just all of the activity data, there's all kinds of data that's coming that our salespeople don't always have access to, but now we will have access to that. So there's a lot of great changes that are coming because of the chaos that we feel as we're learning about what these new technologies can do for us. Thank you, Danny. Very interesting. And yes, the quotes do weave together. And I have to tell our, our global audience that we don't sit around a table before the show and say, okay, Julio, you pick a quote. And Juliana, let's see where we can find one from somebody else that works with Julio's quote. And Danny, now we have two quotes on the table. This just just happenstance. It just it, We just float out whatever anybody wants. They send me the quote. We put them together. And then we get on the show. And very often there is a thread. And I like that. Danny, I have a question for you about the word chaos. You made a very wise comment that the chaos provides a stimulus. Is the chaos in perhaps not doing ABM account-based marketing right in the beginning if somebody is not trained, if they don't know it, they don't understand it, where they don't quite get the point, they don't quite get this narrowly targeted, directed marketing at one key account, for example. Can that be chaotic for them as a salesperson, as a marketing person for their company? Do you think there's chaos in that learning process, doing it wrong? Oh, absolutely, because it doesn't feel right. If you think about the way we used to do marketing, uh, it was, you know, cast a wide net and go for as many people as you can and see what fish come out back in the net, right? Now, as you mentioned earlier, we're fishing with spears. Mm -hmm. And instead of going after maybe um, a market of 50,000 that you're going to send an email to, you may only send it to 5,000. And that feels very uncomfortable for a marketer. But the understanding is that those 5,000 are far more qualified already because of the data we've gotten through the, the, the MarTech that's available. And then we can address them more easily digitally through things like LinkedIn and Facebook. There's just so many new tools, um, and some of them aren't new, but the way we're using them is new, that it just it, it isn't intuitive, but it is the way it's coming. Very interesting. And one more thing, Danny, you mentioned instead of – 
X number of accounts, sending it to a targeted 5,000. That seems to me to be still a very big number. When I read about account-based marketing in the notes from all three panelists, Julio, Juliana, and you, Danny Nail, I was thinking five or 50. Is it oh, still casting that big absolutely. a net? Can you? Okay. So well, it, you, the, the, the part of it is you, cast the, you may cast the net to 5,000, but that helps you narrow it down to the ones that you're going to address. So um, you can look at the you, you can develop your list a number of different ways, but that's one of them. And and I don't I agree, five thousand list is not account based marketing. That's target account marketing at best. Thank you very much. I picked up on that, and thank you for honoring my question. I appreciate it. Okay, mm-hmm. now it's time to get to know our panelists a little more up close and personal, but not to the point of of uh, stalking where they are. I'm going to ask each of my panelists where in the world you are today. If you don't want to give us a city, a state, or a or a town, you could give us a hemisphere or an ocean you're near within a five thousand miles. And we also want to know what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world, just to get a little know about what you like. So, Julio, where are you, and what are you drinking these days? Well, I am on the west coast of Canada, and uh, I am drinking a, well, one of my favorite drinks for this time of year as the weather's changing and people start to get the sniffles is my hot toddy here with a little bit of lemon juice. Uh, I got some ginger in there, and I also have a little bit of chili pepper just to round things out a little bit. Chili pepper. What is that? Does that make you sneeze? Or does that make you, does that just clean everything out? Yeah, it's really good. Really good <laughs> for cleaning out toxins at the same time as just helping ward off anything that's in your body. So for me at this time of year, it's the perfect drink to have on hand to start the day. I just found a little container of chili powder in my spice drawer. I think I'll get it out and start putting it in the hot chocolate. By the way, well, I'll tell you what our temperatures are here in, in my little, my new little uh, hobby here in Durham in a few minutes. Juliana, please join us back and tell us where you are and what's your favorite drink in the whole world that either energizes you, relaxes you, or just makes you smile. Yeah, so I am sitting just south of Julio, uh, but in the United States. So there's there's a there's some geography for those of us that are that are on the western side of the, of the hemisphere in the in the north in North America. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, precise, not precise. There's a space needle where I'm sitting. <laughs> Very close oh, to where I'm sitting. okay, interesting. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And what do you love um, to drink? And yeah, so on the drink side, uh, I thought about this and then thought I can't think about this so much. Um, and it would just be a really nice glass of red wine is something that I love and enjoy sitting down to. But I'm going to tell you that when you told me about this at first, I wanted to just come on and, and kind of like just lie about it. Because recently, <laughs> uh, one of my coworkers was over on the eastern side of Washington State at a cafe, and she took a bunch of pictures. They were serving Red Bull with Pop Rocks. Mm. <laughs> and. Oh, wow. I thought that was amazing, and uh, and so I, I had her take a bunch of pictures of how they make it as well, and and she said it's amazing how many people are ordering it as she sat there and watched. Well, you have the day. to enlighten so me. What is wish. what is Pop Rocks? I don't even know what that is. I'm looking it up. The wake up call: oh, Pop Rocks and Red Bull. What is like it? A, so they're like a candy that you would set on your tongue, and it would like explode. Oh, these the little fizzle. Pieces. Right. Yeah. They they call that the wake-up call. Yep. Yes, they do. (laughs) It's called, you can do it in coffee, apparently. It's called wake-up call coffee and pop rocks, hashtag Red Bull Italian soda, blue raspberry, watermelon, and cantaloupe. Somebody posted this on Facebook. Interesting. There are actually questions on the internet, Juliana. What will happen if you eat pop rocks and soda? Can you drink soda after eating pop rocks? Can pop rocks hurt you? And are pop rocks a chemical or a physical change? Wow, this must be really, really, really important. And it's on Instagram. Oh, that's the first time anybody has ever mentioned that on Game Changers after about 2,000 shows. Thank you. you Very interesting. Thank you. Thank your friend for that. Very interesting. And I have a little story to tell you off air about the Space Needle when we go to break. And Danny Nail, world traveler, going picking up awards across the pond. Danny, where are you today? What part of the world? And what do you love to drink? Uh, Today, I'm just east of the Rocky Mountains in Denver, Colorado. So 
Uh, it's a beautiful day here today. Um, what I love to drink, well, I've got three of them, but on my desk right now is just a large bottle of water, but I usually also have some Earl Grey tea because I do tend to be a little bit of an Anglophile and love all things Britain. So I usually have some Earl Grey tea going or something like that. But being that I'm at altitude a lot, whether I'm on a plane or sitting in my home or in my office, I tend to drink a lot of water because I have to stay hydrated. Well, you sound very healthy to me. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. We went from, oh, we were still tipping up in the mid-90s about a week and a half ago, and it was 48 degrees here last night. And my new toy is I bought a, a portable greenhouse, one of those things you put together with PVC and some, some metal connectors, and it has a great big plastic cover. It has a roof. It's about six and a half feet tall, sloped roof and shelves to put your plants. And I put it on my back porch, my screen porch, and I bought one of those thermometers that you can and it has cling, a cling plastic thermometer with an actual dial, a plastic dial in a little box. It, I put it on the living room window, but just inside of the plastic of the greenhouse. I taped it. And yesterday, the temperature in the greenhouse went to 110 degrees. Sun was coming in through the porch. And last night, the temperature dropped 40 degrees and the greenhouse inside was 65 and this morning it's back up to 75 and we were at 48 so I'm having fun figuring out what the temperature changes are and the moisture content and it's going to be great. I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. It's an absolutely magnificent day. Blue sky, sunshine, going to be a little on the cool side, thank goodness. And uh, Julio may remember this, Danny and Julietta don't know me that well right now. Anyway, I'm not allowed to go anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. You know why. So I'm only allowed to drink water and I have a cool, clear mug of water here with a little bit of ice in it, and I'm using silicone straws. Now, I gave up paper straws, but I just bought some stainless steel straws on sale at TJ Maxx, and I'm going to try those out and see if I like those better, trying to do my part for the ecology of the planet. So we're here having a really interesting conversation on changing the game with digital selling radio. Have to do a shout-out to Kirsten Boileau in Canada at SAP and AJ Arif, who works with her. They set up this show, and what a marvelous panel we we have very important topic. It may be new to you around the world, the idea of sales and marketing, actually getting in the same room and having a shared goal of targeted accounts, not this big mass five or 10,000 emails or posts to whomever, but actually figuring out who you want to go for, go for, go after in terms of to whom you want to sell and making your marketing content very, very targeted. We're having a great conversation about this. It's called Account-Based Marketing, and the title of this episode is ABM 101 for digital selling. Everything you need to know. Three experts on the panel. They are smart. They are savvy. They're in the game. They know what they're talking about. Julio Viscovich at Next Level Sales. He spells his company N-E-X-L-E-V-E-L Sales. Juliana Stan Campiano. She spells her company Oxygen, just the way we all spell Oxygen. And Danny Nail at SAP. We know how to spell that. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're going to take a quick 90 seconds, and we'll come right back with a lot of very serious conversation on our topic. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. However you're listening to us, don't go away. Aaron out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales and marketing organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Digital selling is a concept that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales and marketing process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams, and ultimately changing the way buyers and sellers engage in a digital world. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how digital selling is changing the world of business. Changing the Game with Digital Selling is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with Digital Selling. Presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to changing the game with digital selling. Yes, indeed. We're changing the game even further with ABM account-based marketing with my three special guests today, very smart people, Giulio Viscovich, Giuliana Stancampiano, and Danny Nail. We're going to start the roundtable formally right now with a statement that Giulio Viscovich sent me before the show. Let me read a little. Giulio will expand the statement with his, his creativity and his savvy about what's going on, and then we will invite Giuliana to chime in, agree or disagree, and we will invite Danny, and then we'll move on to some statements from the other panelists. So Giulio said the following. It's sometimes difficult to reach decision makers, so buyer personas need to be created for people well below the decision maker so we understand what decisions can only be made by someone a level above your target. Julio, as they say on the news shows, can you please unpack this for us? Very interesting. Go ahead. <laughs> I'll do my best. And I do, I do t- seem to uh, hear that word a lot, a lot often now these days on the news and media. So I'll yes. do my best to unpack that for you, Bonnie. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> you know, looking at see how we're all in agreement here on, you know, how ABM is moving towards, uh, you know, using a spear rather than a net, um, it's important that, you know, we're not just calling into, you know, our one decision maker, not getting a hold of them or, you know, sending some targeted emails and, you know, moving on to the next company. Um, we're going to spend some time on that account. And oftentimes that requires us understanding, you know, who might not necessarily be the person we're talking to, but taking a strategic stepladder approach where we do sometimes want to call into the manager and have high-level information about them, what they might uh, make decisions about, and what type of content and questions we can provide them so that they can say, you know what, that's a little bit out of my league and maybe get an intro up to the director and have the same approach there and use that stepladder approach of having the right content and the right questions to be pushed up the ladder uh, to ultimately the decision maker that we're hoping to get to uh, that may not be returning our calls or be receptive to our reach outs. Very, very interesting. I love the introduction of the term buyer personas. I haven't heard that in a long time, and you all, you three all probably use it all the time. Juliana, let's get you in on this. Agree or disagree with what Julio just unpacked for us. There's that word again. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree, and I think I'd expand in the fact that we have to, um, you know, the the account-based marketing is also the account, right? So who are all the different people in the account? What's their influence? Um, you know, where do we start and how do we navigate in and get up to that decision maker? And at the same time, there can be critical people at all different levels. And you have to know that um, as you're going in. Otherwise, you can misstep very easily. Um, and I think today, with so much communication happening amongst different people and organizations in such casual ways, that there's a lot of different connections that were made that I feel like before... Um, you could go in and you could connect people together um, mm-hmm. as an external person, but I'm finding them much more connected today than they kind of ever have been. So I think, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, you can get in sometimes at a lower level, but that navigation up. The other thing I would say, too, is like you have to be careful about not talking um, too far beyond that, what's important to that person. Um, so that's that's a real nuance in a, in a fine detail, I feel like, to be able to get to the next person or talk about something that's in somebody else's purview in order to get that introduction versus somebody just feeling like you're out of their league. So it's an interesting concept. I actually hadn't hadn't thought about it quite in the way that Julio said, so that's given me something to think about as well. See, you meet the most interesting, thought-provoking people here on Game Changers Radio. <laughs> Thank you, Juliana. Danny Nail, join us. What do you think? Agree or disagree with anything either one of them said? I, I have to say I agree. I agree with both both of the comments so far. Uh, we When we look at it, uh, we look at, because we're B2B and um, typically have some fairly large companies in the mix, um, but we call it a demand unit or a buying group. And the people within those demand units and buying groups, we definitely have to map um, the, the, their relationships with one another, who are the decision makers, who are the influencers, who have a stake in the game, and who are just interested in the game. So um, that's how we look at it. And uh, it is often uh, just one of those things where you've, 
you've got to talk to the right person with the right message every time. And that's where the buyer persona comes in is understanding Mm -hmm. each of those people within that demand unit and what their part in the, in the, the process is so that you can approach them with the right message. Very interesting. Julio, good comments from your co-panelists. Anything you want to say to either of them before I move on? No, I think uh, everybody wrapped that up nicely, and we're, we're all in agreement. Thank you very much. Juliana, I'm looking at your notes here with so much good content here. Um, let's, talk, let's focus on the internal side. I'm going to read something from your fourth statement. Let's see if we can go with this. You say, forward-thinking leaders yep. are breaking down silos to develop blended startup-like teams focused on key business goals for the customers and the companies. Organizations often want collaboration, but they have to put a system in place on how they reward people that doesn't incentivize someone to collaborate. So how do we fix this system? Juliana, good good comments, and this is will be helpful for our listeners to understand how do you do all of this on a practical level. So why don't you take us into this, please? Yeah, that's great. I think this is fascinating from what we kind of talked about at the beginning of the show, the marketing and sales working, having to work more and more together. And this is essentially you know, a thought about how that's going to work. And as we go forward, we see more and more collaboration having to happen across these different, you know, previous silos and companies in order to support um, sales or to support different parts of the organization to grow. And so the other the thing behind it, and this is, you know, we're asking marketing and sales to collaborate, but are they incented to collaborate? Mm-hmm. And that's what I always find very interesting when we go into clients and ask that question. And a lot of times, which is kind of surprising, but it's something to just think about in an organization is if they're not incented to collaborate, then no matter how much we ask somebody to collaborate, you know, it's kind of back to this stimulus response, like, you know, there are ways in which I'm rewarded. And if I'm, you know, going to do something that isn't going to potentially get me rewarded, I'm probably not going to have a high priority on that. And so we have to take a holistic view from a company perspective as well when we're asking marketing sellers, um, sales enablement, all these, you know, product marketing, et cetera, to work together in order to provide the customer with what they want. So there's more to it oftentimes right now than just saying, we need to be doing this more. We need to be doing this more. Let's look at our systems and make sure they're aligned for us to be collaborating together. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Danny Nail, join us. Agree or disagree with Juliana? Add some flavor to this, please. Well, I like, I like that. I, I like the thinking there. And I was thinking, Juliana, as you were talking, um, when we approach sales, I think for them the incentive is what we're bringing to the table to them. So marketing is coming to the table saying, we are here to support you. Here's what we're going to offer you. So if we come with the, the contact mapping that I mentioned earlier and, and information about the industry they didn't know and information about the customer they didn't know already, the things that we can bring to the table are very important to that collaboration because that's what incentivizes them to work with us is that we're, we're actually bringing value to the table. Um, and vice versa, I think that seeing the salespeople respond and actually give feedback because when we work on a program, um, we, we validate everything that we do with sales to make sure that all there are five or six step, steps through the process where we make sure they're still in agreement with what we're doing and developing for them. And as long as we're getting that agreement and that participation, then that to us is the incentive we need to um, keep the process going because then it's showing that they're interested in what we're doing. We're happy to help them. And it all comes out at the end as hopefully a closed sale. So together um, it's, it's more of a, it's not a monetary incentive. It's more of a just do the right thing incentive and work Mm -hmm. together and get the job done in service of the customer. So I like it. Very interesting approach. Thank you, Danny. Julio, join us. What do you think? Yeah, again, I, I'm definitely in agreement. I think, you know, we're seeing much more of, you know, the salesperson being that hunter now accepting, you know, other hunters along the ride, uh, you know, with a little bit of help, um, which I think is that great collaborative group that can move around the organization. Like Juliana mentioned, um, having a small startup within a company that goes and works with different groups and, whether that's the account-based marketing team on that does that or, or whatever it's called, um, ultimately there has to be a group dedicated to working closely with sales. Otherwise, they're not going to get the results. 
um, and it's going to be the same old, same old between sales and marketing. Um, and there's no real collaborative environment that gets created. And, you know, with so much big data and marketing's hands now, I think it can do so much more for sales um, and help them reach accounts and, and get them the right information through that collaborative approach. So, no, I, I really like uh, Juliana's statement as well as Danny's. Thank you. Boy, we've got a lot of collaboration going on here. Good comments back and forth. Julianne, anything you want to say to wrap this up? Because I'm going to move on very quickly to something from Danny's list. Juliana? Yeah, I think the one thing I'd say to wrap it up is that I think the key is what Danny was saying earlier is that it's that collaboration together and, and a facilitated conversation to make sure that everybody's constantly on the same page and doing that in very small increments so that you stay aligned. Otherwise, it, it, it can branch off very quickly. I thought Thank that was you. a great statement. Thank you. A lot of great statements happening here. I'm, I'm very happy with the way this is going. Danny, Nail, looking at your notes here, let's talk about technology. You say MarTech. I want you to unpack that word for us in a minute. MarTech is changing not only the way we develop and execute account-based marketing, but will change the way we market completely. And Danny adds, where we used to send emails with white papers, oh, yeah, and wait to see who registered and who downloaded them, which shows intent. We'll talk about the word intent. It can be all done completely via MarTech and intent data. Danny, define MarTech, please. I know you told me you could write a book on this, but tell me more. And what is intent data? Is that our new version of what ID is, intent data? I'm only teasing. Talk to me, Danny. What is all this about? Okay, so in, in account-based marketing, I mean, there are three levels of account-based marketing. There's one-to-one, which is mainly what we've been talking about here. There's one-to-few where you may focus on 30 to 40 accounts. Um, you still give customized content. You still really pay attention to the account plans. You work with sales. And then there's the one-to-few or one-to-many, which is you may focus on a 1,000 accounts. Uh, I don't really consider that account-based marketing. I consider it target account marketing but it is one of the levels of the pyramid of account-based marketing. I just don't call it account-based marketing. But at the bottom of that pyramid, the MarTech, MarTech basically is things like um, intent data that you can, that is gathered off of um, the Internet where, ISP, um, where ISPs are being followed and watched and um, the, where they search and where they go and what they do. Um, it's not people. It's company ISPs that are being tracked. But we know that someone from a, <clears throat> a company we may work with is showing intent on, um, meaning they're searching a lot on maybe it's healthcare or something like that. So you, you can understand what your customers are interested in ultimately when they start, start showing enough intent data on a particular subject. So you can watch a thousand companies at a time and then and as they start showing intent on the topics you're interested in, they'll rise to the top and then you can start marketing to them in a different way. There's other types of MarTech that are available that are, are enable us to do what we call retargeting. So if someone comes to a website from a certain company and we recognize that ISP, we can retarget them or we can target them with a, uh, a banner ad specific to their company as well as then drive them to a different location. So MarTech is really changing the way we do things in, in a number of ways. But at the end of the day, all of that data and everything that we can learn about our customers through this MarTech, um, is, is there's, it's going to be in, there's huge amounts of it. Um, I think at one point, at one, one point I was talking about how artificial intelligence is actually going to help us deal with all that data and further segment our targets and, and what's happening with them because it will enable us to analyze all of that more quickly and bring it together. So um, that's how artificial intelligence is going to help us with all of this. But at the end of the day, um, we won't be sending a lot of emails to a mass number of people just to try to find out who's interested. We'll know it through things like intent data and activity data. And bringing that together will enable us to focus far more effectively and message far more effectively on each account and the people within those accounts um, than we've been able to ever before. Danny, this sounds fascinating to me. Quick question before we go around the table and get Julio and Juliana to chime in here. Does this take 
retraining. We talked about in, in the opening quote from D'Angelo that Julia, Julio sent us. Does this take retraining, retooling your whole team to understand how to do this? The buyer persona, the new personas, the patients, the intent data. Is this like starting all over again with a brand new team or is this something that teams are learning quickly enough to use in the field? It's something that you have to probably, I don't even say start all over again. It's more of a slow integration and, and changing things slowly and doing change management with that because it, it also takes executive buy-in and executive understanding because you're definitely changing the way. Again, the fear of going from marketing to 50,000 down to five at the end of the day or 50, um, there's fear involved with that. So there's a lot of change management that's going to that's gonna have to happen while this change is occurring um, to eventually get us to the point where we're marketing the way we can and should be marketing. Thank you very much. Let's go around the table and see what the other panelists say. Julio, please join us. Agree or disagree with Danny? A lot to talk about. Yeah, I think that was very interesting. And um, oddly enough, I saw a tweet from a decision maker, I believe it was over the weekend, that said, you know, does anybody else hate uh, immediately getting a sales call when I download a white paper? Mm-hmm. And I just kind of chuckled and, and chimed in on it. And I think, you know, intent data and what Danny's talking about is where, where we have to move. Like timing is so crucial and knowing when someone's truly interested to receive that call or a certain piece of content, I think, is, you know, the next phase in marketing as, as, as we take it now is really, you know, developing a, a, an accurate scoring system to truly understand when somebody, you know, in an organization or on that buying, uh, buying group is truly interested in receiving a call or receiving an ad or receiving more information about something they're doing um, is that next phase into making sure that, you know, we don't ruin that relationship right off the bat with an ill-timed phone call or, you know, uh, maybe an imprecise email. So, no, I, I love what you're, where you took that, Danny. Thank you, Julio. Juliana, we just have time to squeeze in your comments here. And, Julio, I'm going to get you ready to tee up your prediction because we're technically in the crystal ball predictions round of the show. So, Juliana, please comment on MarTech and Intent Data. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'll be real quick. I think a little bit to what everybody has said, I'd be curious about the interpretation of the data and Mm -hmm. how do we figure out how to interpret the data so that it is helpful versus doing the wrong thing. And I think that there's so much data that we have access to today, and it's really going to be, you know, the forward view is going to be being able to interpret it so that we're accurate instead of making the wrong step, to Julio's point. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. Appreciate it. Let's tee up Julio Viscovich at Next Level Sales. Predictions time. I can give you 60 seconds. Let's see how close you come to that, Julio. What do you think will change about this topic either five minutes from now or let's go out to 2025, which is actually not that far away? Julio, prediction, and then Juliana, and then Danny, and then we wrap. So, Julio, what do you see? What do you see in the future? Yeah, well, it's uh, kind of interesting that we're here and having this conversation. I think it was about three years ago on April Fool's Day, I actually wrote uh, a blog post about how salespeople will be wearing, uh, you know, virtual reality headsets and they'll be able to, you know, see into the lives of their their customers, you know, what they're talking about at the dinner table, what they're Googling, all this fun stuff. And here we are three years later, and that doesn't seem like uh, such a, an April Fool's Day joke anymore. Now we have all this great stuff like intent data available to marketers. And I think that data that, that we've been speaking about this entire conversation um, is what salespeople need. So I think we finally found that kind of golden, golden needle in the haystack that's going to bring sales and marketing together and make that relationship much more useful and much more collaborative. So I see nothing but uh, shiny skies for the future oh, between uh, sales like and marketing and ABM that. as a whole. I like that. Very optimistic. Let's move over to Juliana. What's your prediction, Juliana? You can take 75 seconds because Julio is so to the point. Go ahead, Juliana. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're watching it all evolve right in front of us, but I think as we've been talking and the, the forward view is going to be Um, I'm curious to see what happens to sales roles versus marketing roles and where those evolve because I think that they're all starting to overlap with one another. 
So I think we're going to see a lot more, a, a lot of new roles evolve out of this, and it's not going to be what we have traditionally known as product marketing or marketing or account-based marketing or sales or account executive, you know, or these very kind of specific roles that we've known. I think there's going to be um, a very different shift in a lot of the roles between those two organizations because the seller has so much information um, going into uh, a buy that it's a very different world and how we approach and how we sell, especially in, you know, two to five years with the amount of data, as Danny was saying, and whatnot that we're able to get. Um, it completely changes the way that we approach and are set up from a company perspective of how we're going to be approaching our customers and selling to them going forward. So I Thank think you that, very Yep, uh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I just I think it's a fascinating time because this is the first time we're really seeing that that blend happening. And it's about time. Danny Nail, you're up next. <laughs> Prediction. Danny, I've, I can give you 75 seconds also. Use them well. Danny Nail, go ahead. Okay, thanks, Bonnie. I think the chaos continues. Basically, we're going to continue to see improvements in the, the MarTech stack and the things that are going to be available. Um, we're going to see them to become more globalized. Um, right now, a lot of them really are focused on North America, but as they become more globalized, that's going to help even more. I think that when that comes about and as that comes about, um, exactly what Juliana said, the, the, the roles will change. The, there will be new definitions for the types of roles that will be around because some of this work that's being done now, some of the analysis can be taken over by AI and machine learning and th- things like that where that time can be used by a marketer in other ways defining more strategy, doing more strategic things, working more closely with sales to get them um, to that next deal. So there's a lot of great that's going to come from the chaos. Um, I think ABM will probably go away as a term at some point Mm -hmm. because it's the way everything's going to be done going forward. Um, That will take some time, but it probably will happen. So it's going to be an interesting time for the next, oh gosh, five, ten years. It's going to be great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Danny. Thank you to the three of you. And a shout-out to Kirsten Boylow, sponsor of this series. She's already renewed for 2020, so I hope we'll have this panel back for Part 2. Great conversation and so much more to talk about. And thank you to A.J. Mohammed Arif at SAP for setting this up. He always does a wonderful job of gathering our panelists and getting your pre-show input to me. And Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, the business channel. Thank you, Aaron, for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. You know it well. Everybody say it with me. Well, my panelists don't know well, but my listeners do. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Julio Viscovich at Next Level Sales, just like Juliana Stan Campiano at Oxygen. Love the name of your company. And just like Danny Nail at SAP. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Digital Selling, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.